Thank you for listening to another Coronasode episode of the Echo Corpus Christi podcast. I'm recording an intro to this particular Coronasode because it's about faith. And on this Coronasode, we visit with my pastor, Jeremy DeBoard. As a Christian, faith is very important to me, particularly in times of high stress and anxiety like we're facing now during this global pandemic. I am a person who is prone to anxiety. Sometimes it even manifests itself in physical ways where I feel like my heart is going to explode or my mind creates new diseases that no one else on earth has ever had, but boy howdy, I've got it right now. Um, I've even gone to um, to ERs in the middle of the night just to pay somebody a bunch of money to tell me that I'm not dying at that moment. So in these particular times of high stress and anxiety, when we lived in other cities and living here in Corpus Christi, one of the first resources that I go to is my pastor. And Pastor DeBoard on this Coronasode shares with us some universal methods that we can apply regardless of our faith choices to help us deal with times of anxiety and stress. And as he mentions at the beginning of our conversation, he's not a counselor, therapist, you know, licensed in any way in that regard, not a psychiatrist, not a psychologist. So if you are at a level where you believe that particular intervention is necessary, please go seek that kind of help. We have lots of great folks who are caring and kind in our city who can help you in those ways. But Pastor DeBoer does share with us his tools that he uses when he counsels parishioners at City Church where my family and I attend. I hope that you find this particular episode as helpful as I do and that these tools as useful as I find them. If you have any further questions for me, feel free to reach out. You can catch me on email echocorpus at gmail.com. You can certainly Google City Church Corpus Christi and find Pastor Jeremy DeBoard and the other folks who work for City Church if you want help of that variety. I hope that you enjoy this particular Coronasode as much as I enjoy visiting with Pastor DeBoard, and, and I hope that you've enjoyed this series of Coronasodes as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So let's visit with Pastor Jeremy. Well, Jeremy DeBoard, welcome to the Echo Corpus Christi podcast on this particular Coronasode. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how to manage this particular time of anxiety and crisis. And yeah. I know that in your experience as a pastor, you get an opportunity to counsel a lot of people that are going through personal crises and, and possibly the ways that they're interacting with national or in this case, an international crisis. So um, I wanted to visit with you on this episode uh, to learn from you some of the methods that you work with people on and that you suggest to the folks yeah. that you're counseling um, on how to handle anxiety and stress and personal crisis. Wow. And yeah, for sure. So thank you for taking time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for uh, having me. Excited. It, I think we're going to give a lot of value in today's ep today's Coronasode, um, as we have in the others. Uh, each of these Coronasodes is designed to provide a particular set of tools and insight uh, for people that are, for each of us, as we have to evaluate new ways of doing things. Right, and yeah. um, you and I were talking before recording that we don't know what the future is going to look like for gathering in churches or worship houses or in just big gatherings anyway. But we do know that people crave personal interaction. Yeah, definitely. And so we look forward to those days when we can do things in person on a regular basis again. So as we get started, let's talk a little bit, Jeremy, about um, some of your, some of the tools and methods that you use to help people deal with anxiety. And, and perhaps you've used them in your own life. Yeah. And if you want to share personal examples, that's great too. So. Wow, yeah, totally. Um, well, before we begin, I think it's helpful just to kind of clarify. Um, 
we're going to talk today about just anxiety, worry, fear, all those things. And obviously there's tools, things we can do uh, that can manage, help with those. Now there's also another level of, hey, I need to seek professional mm-hmm. care. So when I talk today, I might want to maybe just address general anxiety stuff people worry about. I'm not a counselor as much as I love reading counseling books. I haven't gotten <laughs> a counseling degree. So, you know, there are some cases where, you know, I've met with people and just said, hey, this is kind of beyond my scope. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that doesn't mean I can't help you at all. That just right. means in this specific area, I think it'd be helpful to, to go see someone. So I just want to, first of all, encourage people, uh, hey, um, if you're struggling with this, and it seems to be more than just a typical run-of-the-mill, hey, I'm just kind of overstressed right now. I want to mm-hmm. encourage people to go find a professional. I know they're still meeting via Skype. Um, so uh, let me clarify that because sometimes, especially in the church world, it can get down to, well, you just need to have enough faith and you wouldn't worry about this. Right. Well, it's not always that easy. Uh, that's mm-hmm. like telling someone that breaks their arm. Well, if you just had enough faith, you know, you wouldn't need a cast or you wouldn't need to go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. We don't, we wouldn't say that to someone like that. So when we talk to someone who has fear and anxiety, I think it, we need to take that into account. Hey, is this just kind of run of the mill, stressful time? Let's work through it. Mm-hmm. Or is this a, Hey, I want to walk with you through this, but we probably need to bring in someone that can help us navigate that. So, yeah. So, um, when thinking about stress and anxiety, I always think about this. Uh, there was a podcast I was listening to, um, a few years ago. And they were saying, they were doing a study. Okay, what does it mean to be an American? Mm -hmm. And in this study, they went and they read writings from people who spent time in America, but weren't from America. And then they left and they reflected on their time there. And what they gathered was that Americans, what it means to be an American is to be stressed, Mm -hmm. is to be worried. (laughs) That was the number one thing just coming out of it. And I think that speaks to life in America, the freedoms that we have, um, you know, in some places mm-hmm. it's just kind of your life is kind of set for you. Um, when you're born, you're going to work in the shop, you're going to follow your parents, you're going to do this. But mm-hmm. in America, a lot of it does come down to us, the decisions we make, the things that we uh, put our time, effort, talents into. So I think to be an American is to be stressed. So how do we deal with stressful things is a great question, especially during this time as everything seems to be heightened and focused. Mm-hmm. I think what this time has done more than anything is just kind of turn the dials up really on everything. I think right. most of us are probably more stressed out, more anxious than we uh, care to admit. Mm-hmm. But during this time, it seems to be the dials have been cranked up and we're now starting to become aware of the things that stress us out. So if someone comes in, you know, hey, I'm just worried, I'm stressed. We just sit down and talk about, okay, right. what is worry and what is stress? Mm-hmm. Um, or what is anxiety, right? Worry and anxiety, those are really two different things. Worry is more a mental exercise, Mm -hmm. okay? So uh, our bodies just have us think through scenarios so that we know what to expect when those things happen. So worrying is more of a mental thinking, right? Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about all the things that can happen during this time. Maybe I'm I'm thinking about what am I gonna do if I lose my job? What am I gonna do if we run out of money? What am I gonna do if we can't go outside of our house for another six months? Um, but then attached to that comes anxiety. Mm-hmm. And anxiety is more the emotional piece of it. So worry is more thoughts. Anxiety are more the feelings mm-hmm. that come along with it. So I start to think about this, and then all of a sudden I start to feel right. overwhelmed. My heart's racing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, um, some... The way that uh, I heard a great way to think about it is, um, you know, worry is if you're walking in the, in the African safari and uh, you see... Hey, there may be a uh, 
a lion behind that. Mm-hmm. Those that grass over there. Anxious is no, there is a lion over there behind the grass, right? So it's just worry is you're thinking about possible things, but mm-hmm. then the anxiety kind of brings in uh, the emotions of it, where it starts to become kind of crippling. So. Mm-hmm. When someone comes in and they just want to talk about anxious, worry, um, I really just try to listen because <laughs> right. that's usually the best thing you can do. Uh, but really, I kind of walk them through kind of four things okay. that have been helpful for me. Um, number one is you got to know who you are. Mm-hmm. I think most of us are detached from really who we are because we're, especially this season, anxious, worried. Mm-hmm. Now, what this season has given us is maybe a little more time to ourselves, a little more time to not run around and do a million things, but to be at home. Mm-hmm. And I think for most of us, uh, we we don't have a holistic approach to who we are. We are bodies, physical bodies. Mm-hmm. We are emotions, what we feel matters, and what we think, mm-hmm. right? All of these things matter, and all of these things play into one another. And I think for most people, they think, well, you're worried, you're anxious, just stop thinking about it. Right, right. Uh, you're worried, you're anxious, oh, just get your feelings in control. Mm-hmm. But really, all these things play an aspect. Now. As you said, I'm a pastor, so I come at this maybe with a a different perspective on things, but our spiritual lives, our physical lives, all these things are intertwined. Absolutely. So um, there's a lot of study in the world right now just uh, about um, your body shutting down under stress and Mm -hmm. anxiety, literally not being able to do what it's supposed to do. And a lot of times that that happens, Mm -hmm. but I think that happens on little micro levels more than we want to admit. Um, if you've read Dante's Inferno, you know mm-hmm. that the lowest reign of Dante's Inferno, everyone's frozen. Right. So you go through all these horrible things, you know, the guy pushing the rock, people on fire. Mm-hmm. But the very bottom circle is people are frozen. And if we don't listen to ourselves, if we're not taking into account mm-hmm. every part of us, our physical well-being, our emotional well-being, your bodies will shut down. Right. Our feelings do shut down, all these things. Mm-hmm. So I'd spend a lot of time with people just, okay, you got to understand you're a holistic person. Right. Exercise, getting out, going on walks, mm-hmm. um, eating what you eat, but also paying attention to your emotions, like being able to name those, being mm-hmm. able to think about, okay, I feel this way right now. And that sounds so basic. That sounds so simple, but it's a skill. Right. Um, I had a, a pastor who... Uh, kind of got dismissed from ministry and was just in a real bad spot. And he was telling me he went to counseling and in counseling, they had him practice feeling emotions. Wow. He was like, I had to practice being surprised Mm -hmm. because I had just gotten to a point in my life where I just controlled everything and I knew everything that was going to happen. And I was Mm -hmm. just, so he was like, it sounds really goofy, but we would sit there and like, okay, this is what it means to feel surprised. Mm -hmm. So let's practice, you know? So getting in touch with all those things, knowing who you are, knowing, Everything about you, like taking time to think about your past, how I got here, Mm -hmm. think about where you're at and your future, all those things, knowing really who you are is a really important skill. Now, at our church, um, in our community, we have something called Rule of Life. We have eight spiritual practices that we kind of uh, encourage people Mm -hmm. to walk through. And one of those is each week we take 30 minutes to reflect on the week. Right. That's the starting point, right? Hopefully it grows and we can do it maybe every other day or every day. Mm -hmm. But to begin with, we just want to say, okay, stop at the end of the week and reflect on how the week went. Mm -hmm. And then identify two things. One, what made you feel happy? What during your week did you feel happy? And then two, what during your week made you feel sad? Mm -hmm. Um, 
that is a really important skill, especially then if you put it in the context of, okay, in regards to my spouse, what this week made me feel happy, mm -hmm. what this week made me feel sad. Now, all of us are probably spending a lot more time with our spouses, so mm -hmm. maybe now more than ever, it's time to really kind of put that relationship on the forefront Absolutely. and really think about, okay, how am I being perceived? Mm -hmm. How am I how am I receiving my spouse and how is my spouse receiving me? So I think for most people, a good way to start with, okay, I just feel worried, I just feel anxious, is mm -hmm. just take some time to figure out who you are, right? why you feel anxious, um, why you feel stressed, all mm -hmm. these things, they're important things. For most of us, we just kind of shove it down and move on, and, but right. it's important to reflect on that. And I think that's such an, a critical point, Jeremy, that we don't, in our normal hustle and bustle, as a standard practice, most of us don't stop and reflect. Mm -hmm. And that the failure to stop and reflect, and I could speak of this personally from a period of anxiety I went through in the fall, uh, two things allowed me to get into an anxious period. One, I didn't stop and reflect uh, and think about why am I feeling, what am I feeling, why am I feeling this way? And it just kind of spiraled downhill into, into physical manifestations of anxiety. Mm -hmm. wow. Um, and the other, the other thing I wasn't doing was exercising, and you kind of touched on that too. There's, there is, the, the endorphins are powerful, mm -hmm. and there's a plethora of studies that talk about the important, and walking is a simple way to exercise, yeah. and we're probably doing a lot more of that now with our kids cooped right. up in the house. Um, but you touched on this idea of, of taking dedicated time to stop and reflect, and that's not necessarily, um, I don't think, designed as a meditative period in the sense that you're thinking about thoughts outside of yourself. This is really an introspective, what did make me feel happy yeah, this past totally. week? Or maybe take some of that time to say, okay, right now I'm feeling X. What is it that I'm feeling? What yeah. is this emotion? And being able to identify those, um, I think, and we'll talk about this more as we continue, but being able to identify those emotions are critical to being able to handle them, um, express them in proper ways that helps with managing the anxiety that comes from things spiraling out of control. Yeah, totally. And it is a skill. It takes time. Um, it's helpful to have someone kind of doing it with you. But mm -hmm. um, that to me was one, a really formative um, exercise growing up or growing up. Most of us, uh, I'm reading a book called, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a uh, male depression uh -huh. and how male culture sometimes masks depression, sure. you know, like, don't be, don't cry, don't get no, sad. Don't be a wimp. Um, but, you know, when I was in seminary, uh, we had a professor who was way more interested in who we were as people than what we knew. Mm -hmm. And one of the exercises we did was, and, you know, if, if your listeners are brave enough to do it, I, I highly recommend it. Uh, we got pictures from our childhood, early team, mm -hmm. team, and we would just take 20 minutes and sit there with the picture and talk to that kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, like it's awkward. Okay. At first, but then like you get a groove and right. you're just like, man, there's just so much to talk about mm -hmm. and so much to reflect on. And then you begin to think about, man, that's why I still do that. Right. Or that's why I still get so frustrated when my kid doesn't do X, Y, or mm -hmm. Z, you know? So, so encouraging people to really slow down uh, and know themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, even John Calvin says we can't have knowledge of God until we have knowledge of self. Um, now you can take that and construe it a million different ways. But I think what he's saying is we got to know who we are. We are created mm -hmm. uh, people. Um, so helping people kind of understand who they are. Mm -hmm. um, and then secondly, everyone has to have some sort of story. Um, 
we live, I talked a little bit about it uh, last week, um, we live in kind of a, a non-narrative world. Mm -hmm. There is no longer any kind of grand narrative that everyone is at least somewhat agreeing on. Okay, this is how things go. And mm -hmm. um, all those things, to most extent, have been stripped away. So we kind of live in the, in the now, in the time of experts, mm -hmm. in the time of knowledge. And there's no real grand story to give us perspective on things. Mm -hmm. So can you give a, an example of a grand story that we've had in the past? Wow, yeah, I think. Um, okay, let me think of what might be the least, the least hot topic to. to think about. <laughs> um, I, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, I mean, I think even what it means to be an American okay. um, has kind of been shifting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there used to be just kind of an agreed upon. Okay, this is what it meant to be an American. Mm -hmm. Now. In some ways, it's good to reevaluate those to really, okay, what does it really mean to be an American? Mm -hmm. What are the things that we were founded on that maybe we've never really lived up to? Let's try to live up to those. That's good. Um, but in some ways, what it means to be an American is kind of changing. Mm -hmm. So I think people struggle to adapt into, okay, what does that mean now? Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, if this isn't what it means to be an American, then why did my grandfather go off and die in World War II? Right. Like, well, what were, what were all these war? What was all this sacrifice for, if not for this kind of unifying vision? Mm -hmm. So I think there's some of that uh, that's kind of going on. That's a grand narrative that kind of leads and guides our days, right? Sure. Um, I mean, I know growing up. Now, I clarify. I, obviously, you can take patriotism too far. Right. Obviously, you can take things to the extreme. But I think even growing up, we had an understanding of okay, to be an American was to take care of your neighbors, mm -hmm. to you know, think of others more highly than you do yourself. Those kind of things that I think probably in most Americans still hold on to those. But if you're watching news a lot, mm -hmm. you kind of, uh, <laughs> that's kind of falling apart. You wonder. You, you wonder. wonder, yes, you wonder. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously we come from a, you know, I'm a pastor. So I have like a story mm -hmm. that I think uh, kind of leads and guides my life. But I think everyone on some level has to have that understanding of where the world's going. You know, if you, that's why I think most people are super passionate about politics mm -hmm. because without a grand narrative, well, that kind of is a narrative. Politicians set the course. So, you know, people get really heated, really passionate about politics, and I completely understand it. If that was kind of where my narratives were coming from, then yeah, I would mm -hmm. be as passionate about those things. So, but you have to have some understanding of, okay, really, where's the world going? Mm -hmm. um, what is the world? How can, we get there. So whenever I'm talking with someone and, and maybe some of your listeners are thinking, well, you know, you're talking to Christians, they, you know, mm -hmm. they kind of have an agreed upon narrative. Well, most of us don't. Um, <laughs> right. But I often find myself just in neighborhood mm -hmm. with people that, you know, Hey, how's it going? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, what's going on in your world? You know, and just begin to talk and mm -hmm. talk to them about where they're headed, what they think life is. And, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I've done is when I meet someone, I kind of stop asking what they do for a living and I just kind of say things like hey what are you excited about mm -hmm. what do you like to do for fun uh just tell me a little bit about your story right you know some people are like well what <laughs> yeah, yeah hey, time uh, out buddy here well for a I work uh, no. <laughs> right <laughs> um but I think yeah like you have to have some narrative that kind of serves as a compass mm -hmm. now obviously as I said I have one that kind of leads and guides me um I would encourage everyone to maybe investigate that one mm -hmm. uh but you got to have something that's kind of leading and guiding this thing. Because if we're just sitting here thinking, well, I could get this virus and that could be it, um, that that's a really unhealthy place to be. Yeah, it's pretty um, bleak. You gotta have some sort of 
leading and guiding. Um, C.S. Lewis wrote a, an essay, I think it's called Essays in the Atomic Age, I think, mm -hmm. and he talks about um, how do you live in a world where there's an atomic bomb? Like, how do you function in that right. world knowing that in a minute? Well, to some extent, we kind of are getting a little bit of a taste of that. How mm -hmm. do you live in a world where any minute you could get this virus or a loved one could get this? How mm -hmm. do we keep going forward? I think that's where the narrative thing helps, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think previous generations, I think, were maybe a little more generational than um, we than even I am or even some of our younger generation is just, hey, we're playing the long game here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to build and hopefully I build a platform to where the next generation can go even further than we've gone. And I think some of that's been lost. Mm -hmm. So I think we're kind of living in a knowledge based world where it's just cold, hard facts. Right. Right now. For right now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think having some sort of perspective on a grand story really helps people. Uh, you know, that that's a, a good insight, Jeremy, to what generations in the past were able to accomplish because they had grand narratives mm -hmm. or grand stories both individually and then in their in their respective countries many of them anyway um, that is why for example in my life I know from my grandfather who fought in World War II as an example that's why he fought mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't necessarily to sustain the way of life that he had it was for me and then his other his great-grandchildren and his great-great-grandchildren to have the way of life that he treasured and valued and in this world that we live in now, there is, um, it's easy to be caught up in the constant noise of knowledge and not actually think, okay, what are the, how are the decisions that I'm making now going to affect my children and grandchildren? It's very easy to think, okay, how does the decision I make today affect me? And if you don't have that particular narrative for your own life and your own view of, mm -hmm. of where the world is heading, and, and your place in it and how you can impact it, then you're going to be tempted and maybe fall into this trap of just deciding based on yourself. Because yeah. meeting immediate needs, I mean, that's our human nature is let's meet our immediate needs. And until those are met in the way that we think they should be met, we have a tendency to not think about how can we meet the needs of someone else and how does the how am I impacting the narrative that I have for myself and for the future, for the country? Yeah, totally. And I, um, I think... My narrative, I'm a Christian, obviously. Um, I think, obviously, like people know that. I'm a Christian. Um, you know that, obviously, right. hopefully. Um, I think it allows me to be more engaged. Mm -hmm. I think most people think, you know, well, you're a Christian. You know, you think we're going to heaven one day. You probably, you know, whatever, you're just writing it out. <laughs> no, like, I, like our, because of the resurrection, I, I can honestly say to myself, and hey, during this time of corona, I've had... Mm -hmm. Some panic moments, mm -hmm. you know, I've woke up in the middle of the night and thought do I need to gas up the car just in case like this goes sideways and we right. need to get somewhere. How um, much toilet paper is enough for me to have at the house? <laughs> sure. Right. How many uh, beans can I buy from H-E-B right. before that? Um, but I've just really had to stop and be like, okay, because of my story, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because of the hope that I found here, it's going to be okay. I don't have to panic. I can jump in and engage and be present. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think I just thought of this. Um, maybe this goes back to the first question, but I remember when I was in seminary, I was in an incredibly stressful time. Mm -hmm. Like I was graduating. My wife was working full time. I was working part time. I'll go into school. We just had a baby. Mm -hmm. And 
I was, you know, okay, I got to find a job. <laughs> I got to find mm -hmm. benefits, all these things. And I just remember being really stressed out. Mm -hmm. And I just remember how many times I would just numb out with social right. media, Twitter, Facebook, you know, I would just find myself fantasy football. Sure. You know, I just, oh, okay, maybe I can make this trade or read this article. And I just remember be, coming to a moment where I realized, okay, there's no real healing here. I'm mm -hmm. not getting better. I'm just numbing it out mm -hmm. for a few moments. Um, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and I told myself, okay, I'm not going to get on social media. I'm just mm -hmm. going to be a little more present here. Now I would spend that time praying. Maybe other people don't do that. Whatever they do to kind of center themselves. Say, like, okay, I'm not going to get on social And I would right. find myself instinctively grab the phone, right? Mm -hmm. Grab the phone and pick it up and be like, no, no, no. It's just a, a constant battle to stay uh, present, which mm -hmm. I think kind of brings me to maybe the third thing that I kind of work with people and encourage them to do is, this is the biggest one, I think, is you got to focus on what you can control. Mm -hmm. um, you got to be able to identify, okay, this is outside of my control. Right. I have no influence here i cannot impact this i cannot change this mm -hmm. but here's what i can impact and here's what i can change um that has been a big one for me um and i think for most people i talk to is mm -hmm. just realizing hey why are you so anxious or why are you so passionate about this when the reality is you you can't change it right um now, I'm not saying we, sh we shouldn't make attempts to right wrongs and just say, oh, whatever. But, you know, I think a big one is social media. Yeah. Right? You know, we'll get, we'll get online and I'll look at things. I just think, okay, you mm -hmm. can't control this. Right. You can't, we can't control when the country's going to open back up. Right. We can't control when they're going to lift these restri restrictions. We can't control what Bill Gates is doing in his super secret doomsday lab, you know, wherever that is. Like, we can't right. control these things. Now, that doesn't mean we're not aware of them, but it, sure. it means I got to spend less time mm -hmm. getting emotional, screaming about those things. Right. Um, and instead, okay, what can I control? I can control the culture of my home. Mm -hmm. I can control the culture of my neighborhood to some right. extent. I can control my friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think a lot of times we want control. We desperately want it. We want to be seen in a certain way. Someone's got all the answers. Mm -hmm. Someone's in control. And we all know it's much easier to maintain our image than our personal life. Right. Right. So I can get on Facebook, talk about some grand conspiracy, mm -hmm. and but that's much hard. That's much easier than okay, yeah, my kids yelling and screaming. Right. And I've had this conversation with them thirty times. Right. Um, but I think it goes back to just the control right mm -hmm. like for me i was so anxious i wanted to stop the anxious feeling so i would go to facebook and just veg out right i think for most of us we feel stressed mm -hmm. the time is really different we have no control and it's easy just to get on facebook or twitter mm -hmm. and pop off something and and then kind of go on about our day so really focusing in on okay what is it that i can control and what mm -hmm. do i have influence over i have a lot of influence over myself so right let's really start to think about that let's really start reflect on that so so that's one thing. I saw an interesting study that was, um, it was, uh, and maybe this is just a freebie. It was um, on road rage. I don't know if uh -huh. you, have you read this one. It's on no, road rage. I probably should. The know. correlation between road rage and the car was the amount of bumper stickers. The oh, more funny. bumper stickers a car had, the more likely they were to be in a road rage thing. Wow. You know what's really funny though? I have out of control road rage and I have zero bumper stickers. <laughs> so maybe I'm an anomaly. But, but I get your point though. It seems like the people that um, 
some bumper stickers are there to present a message. Yeah, totally. And sometimes people, and um, I think it's important for everybody, again, this goes back to the have your story. It's important for yeah. you to live your message, right? But sometimes um, I can see where people with particular messages would also have a tendency to get upset. I have a strong message and I do have a tendency to get upset. Yeah, I just don't totally. have it in bumper sticker form. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like a funny just uh -huh. study of like the people the most opinionated, the most mm -hmm. kind of in your face. Um, even as something as simple as a bumper sticker, which I guess I would say most of our Facebook things are bumper stickers. Absolutely. Basically. Certainly so, Twitter. Yeah. So we just want to control what we can control mm -hmm. saying there. Um, so really kind of those three things, who yeah. I am, um, what's my story, and then what is it that I can control? You know, that, that is a, um, the control aspect, Jeremy, is so hard for so many of us. And I, I can speak of this personally as a lawyer. Um, uh, lawyers tend to like things being very orderly. I mean, that's one thing that attracts many of us to the law. There's a set mm -hmm. of rules, right? And the set of rules are the rules for the game. So it's not unlike a sports game. It's not unlike a card game. There are rules and lawyers have a tendency to really like, uh, and maybe I'm speaking too broadly. I know some lawyers that would disagree with me, but generally speaking, we like to control our game and we know yeah. the rules and, you know, we, we try to work within those rules. But we, I, as a lawyer now, can't control how the coronavirus and the stay-home orders are affecting the court system. Yeah. And so it doesn't do me a lot of good to spend a, waste a lot of my time fighting against the, the stay-home orders messing with the court system, right? I can't control that. Yeah. But what I can do is I can control how I interact with my clients who are having um, their own issues at the moment. You know, they came to us because they had particular issues, but those might have been exacerbated by what's going on now. So I can reach out to them and talk to them and say, hey, yeah. how you doing? Um, and in the same vein, we can talk to our neighbors. You mentioned that earlier in our, our circle of friends. Those are areas where we can control in the sense that we have power in how we interact in those, in those communities. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, another one of these coronasodes has Nikki Riojas on it, and she and I were talking about serving other businesses and then the joy, I mentioned the joy that comes from serving others. So this is a great time to take advantage of your neighborhood and your proximity to your neighbors. Obviously keep within the social distancing guidelines, but that doesn't mean that you can't serve an elderly neighbor in your neighborhood by preparing a meal for that person, assuming that it's otherwise medically appropriate. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't cut a neighbor's grass. It doesn't yeah. mean that you can't have, you know, uh, if you have a fun toy that you can't share that with a neighborhood kid. You can control those things. And in return, you receive joy from sharing and giving to somebody yeah, else. Totally. And there's a huge amount of impact that comes from, uh, from just taking the moment to serve somebody else. Yeah, and I think one thing we'll start seeing is like, hopefully it's just how much impact we can really have. Mm -hmm. I think for the longest, um, we've thought, well, you know, culture, all these things are set by politicians right. or celebrities. If I'm not a social media influencer, do I really have any impact? Right. Right. If I don't have 50,000 Instagram followers, do I really have a voice? Yeah. But now I think hopefully, I think maybe a positive that can come out of this is just kind of a reestablishment of, man, like I can really have an impact with the people around me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my wife and I are already trying to plan a, hey, when they lift this, let's just have a barbecue mm -hmm. for the, the street. Hey, come on down. Let's just drink a beer, eat a burger, yeah. talk and be together up. in person yeah. again. Right. So I think, um, yeah, knowing what you can control and really 
being present enough mm -hmm. uh, to really make an impact where you're at is really important. And really all those three, three things mm -hmm. come down to presence, just being present wherever you're at. Um, yeah, are crucial, crucial, crucial. Um, one other thing I'd like to maybe add that's particularly helpful if someone maybe comes in and is talking to me about anxiety or worry. Mm -hmm. um, gratitude, I know this, it's going to sound hokey, but there's just so much science behind it at this point, you cannot deny Absolutely it. Absolutely true. Um, taking, I've gotten to a rhythm of before I go to bed, okay, what are two things I was grateful for? Mm -hmm. Think about them. And then right when you wake up in the morning, okay, what are two things I'm looking forward to mm -hmm. today? Um, write those things down, jot them on your phone, whatever it is. And then you right. can obviously go back and look at those. Um, but that is so huge. There mm -hmm. is so much science. Now, I am a Christian, but I believe all truth of God's truth. Mm -hmm. um, so there is so much science around our brains, how they're wired, mm -hmm. how negative thoughts rewire our brains, you cause bet. more stress in our lives, and how gratitude can rewire our brains mm -hmm. the same way. I read this crazy study, and I don't know if we'll go over on our time here, but this crazy study about how when you think a thought and you continue to think it, the two nerves or whatever, mm -hmm. um, they get closer together and the electricity that travels between right. them and all that, you know, synapses and things. Yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> um, they actually get closer together. Right. So you can actually train your brain to respond to things in a positive way because if you are having more gratitude, mm -hmm. more positive thoughts, it takes less time for that thought to pop in your brain. Right. But if you're constantly thinking about the negative, then like the negative synapses mm -hmm. kind of get closer and closer together. So it's just like a fascinating study about how gratitude can literally save your life. Right. And how um, negative thinking, anxiety, worry, mm -hmm. critical, all these things um, can shorten your life in some way. So I, I would encourage people, you know, maybe you're listening to all this, what is this guy talking about? That would be one thing that I would really encourage people is mm -hmm. before you go to bed, just really think through two things that made you happy, that get, you're, you're grateful for. And then when you wake up in the morning, what are two things you're looking forward to that day? Especially if you're a husband um, and you're like me and your wife says, how was your day? Oh, good. Right. And you have nothing else to say. Right. Um, I found that that even helps our conversations mm -hmm. a little more. If I can be intentional with, oh, you know what? I was really thankful this happened today. Absolutely Or true. you know what? I'm really excited about this during my day. Um, so a little tidbit for the maybe husband. Yeah, a little marital counseling while we're at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like gratitude. Mm -hmm is a really important thing to learn. And we see that kind of coming out in culture too with, I mean, the gratitude journal itself is becoming a, mm -hmm. a, a billion dollar industry. It feels like just mm -hmm. from the ads that you see on social media in particular, but that's not without um, significant actual science underlying it. It's not just a hokey, you know, um, here's a new uh, niche thing that someone found and is able to sell products in. Like yeah, there's a right. reason just like serving your neighbor can bring joy to you, expressing, actually expressing gratitude can refocus your, your thought energy. And that's an important thing to be able to do, especially in this time where if we listen to quote unquote news for 10 mm -hmm. seconds, we're literally gonna feel like the world is crumbling around us. Yeah, yeah. And that causes massive anxiety because it, we personalize that immediately. How's it gonna affect my job, my totally. family, my kids? Are we safe? Do, are the black helicopters coming? And then we just kind of go down this road of all worst case scenarios. 
And as we do that, we're training our brain to react strongly to worst yeah, case scenarios. Absolutely. And if we instead stop and say, all right, I can't control that, but what I can do is control my bedtime practice and my wake mm -hmm. up practice. And yeah. I can make those times of expressing gratitude. And um, there's another local po podcast here called Revolve One um, that has some good episodes on this, this idea of, um, of practicing gratitude and being able to journal that and, and use that to help with the, your, balancing your emotions and so forth. Um, so let's get a little bit personal as yeah. we kind of bring this to a close today. Um, I know for me, one of the Bible verses that I always find powerful in times like this, and for those of you that are regular Bible readers, this, is a, this will be a familiar one to you too, but it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it gets thrown about and becomes so much cliche in the, in the spiritual world. And in fact, you and I were joking about this the other day, but there is truth in that passage, mm -hmm. which basically, I'll summarize it or paraphrase it, basically says, God knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. not surprised. And he doesn't intend harm to people. He intends good for people. And to put that into a daily practice for me, um, I can hold to the truth that nothing surprises God. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that there won't be hard times, right. right? But it does mean that in the long run, and here we probably get into more of the eternal long run than the earthly long run, mm. but in the eternal long run, God is using and allowing circumstances to help me build character, which I can use to affect other people in an eternal way. Yeah, yeah. There, are there particular passages that are powerful for you when you're facing anxiety, like you mentioned coming out of seminary, um, and I know there have been other moments of anxiety in your life. Mm -hmm. Are there particular passages you turn to in those times? Yeah, um, the book of Habakkuk. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's really short. You could read it easily in one sitting. Um, to just read it and ref reflect just on Habakkuk's experience. Like, obviously, God speaks in that a lot, but just mm -hmm. Habakkuk is on the verge of their nation is about to get taken over right. by a foreign ruler. Um, he's a little angry at God. Why are you doing this? What <laughs> right. in the world? Right. Um, and if you just read Habakkuk's responses, but by the end of it, the situation hasn't changed, mm -hmm. <laughs> but he's changed. Right. You know, and there's that, you know, should the fig leaf not wither, should the fig leaf wither, all these things, mm -hmm. yet I'll still praise him. Um, just to, to see Habakkuk at the start of the book to the end of the book mm -hmm. in just one quick reading is really um, helpful. Well, he goes through the normal range of human emotion, yeah. right? I mean, he starts off with fear and anger. Mm -hmm. Why do we have this global pandemic? And holy cow, I'm scared that I'm going to get it or my loved ones are going to yeah, get it and absolutely. we're all going to die. That's a normal human emotion. And we see Habakkuk go through that. And then we see the anger. Why Lord or why universe or why is this happening? This is not fair. You know, this should never be happening. Why do yeah. you let these kind of terrible things happen, etc.? And then you see him as he works through the course of, of that particular book. Uh, come yeah. to a, that's a more been calm a resolution. good one for me. Um, Hebrews 12, um, everything that can't be shaken will be shaken. Um, when Jesus was resurrected, God launched a new way mm -hmm. of doing life into this world. And it is not to be cliche, but it is the opposite mm -hmm. of this world. So everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. Um, but later on he says, we've received a city that cannot be shaken. 
So really just reflecting on the fact that, one, the church has been here before. Mm-hmm. This doesn't uh, catch, you know, I know sometimes we're tempted to think Christianity started 30 years, 30 right. years ago when I got saved. Right. <laughs> but um, it's been here before. It will keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can we kind of thrive in the midst of it? And know that because of Jesus, really, everything is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I don't, that might sound like maybe platitudes are just kind of cheap, but no, like that is a reality. Should the worst come, should coronavirus come to the doorstep of someone I love or even myself, it really is going to be okay. Right. Like this really isn't the end. Um, and I do, I, I don't want to sound, maybe this is pastor speak here. I, in some ways I don't know how people make it without that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if my fear was I could get this and die and that be it, I would, I would be really, really afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe would build a shelter and live underground for a while. Um, <laughs> well, I think but, that we as humans, though, all crave. I mean, everybody has a faith story of some mm-hmm, sort, whether totally. it is Christianity, Judaism, atheism. There's a there is a necessary step of faith that we all take as human beings right. to something, right? We don't. There isn't a true non-belief, no, totally. right? And that we just whether regardless of where our faith is, it lies somewhere, and. Uh, and it's what we find in Christianity is um, it lies in a hopeful eternity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I've been thinking of just like books I've been reading, things I've been kind of like reflecting on mm-hmm. during this time. Um, you know, we just live in such a world where we think the answer is a book, right? Right. That's so true. <laughs> Give me a book to read uh, that'll fix this. Mm-hmm. Well, I, or now to... maybe a medium post. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a better thing would be like, hey, give me, like you mentioned earlier, a practice. What's a yes. practice that's going to help me get through this? But for the sake of conversation, um, there's a few books that I've just been enjoying kind of revisiting. Uh, one is East of Eden. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a novel. So if you like novels, um, it's just a beautiful story about a grand narrative of a family mm-hmm. and two families really and how life happens in the midst of those and it's got some bible themes thrown out of steinbeck himself wasn't a christian um but if you really kind of want to dig in maybe on some christian things there's a book called waters from a deep well by uh gerald sisler um if you just look waters for a deep well okay. you'll find it he um was a professor and what he basically does is he takes kind of spiritual growth mm-hmm. spiritual development and he starts from the early church all the way through even modern day missionaries, evangelicalism, all these things. Mm-hmm. And it's just good to read and go, okay, the church has always thought about these things. Mm-hmm. The church has always wrestled with these things. The church has always found itself squeezed, trying to make changes, adapt, right. figure out things. And here's the way each kind of movement has thought about things. And that just really gives a really, really good perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been really helpful for me. Um, probably those two books. And then maybe one last little thing for, if you're like a church leader, maybe you listen to this, mm-hmm. you're a Christian, you're leading a group of people. I think one thing that I've been really struck by is Acts 15. So the the church is kind of blowing up, right? right. Antioch is the hub. It's not Jerusalem, right? They're mm-hmm. first called Christians in Antioch. So Antioch church is growing. People are planting churches. Gentiles are coming to faith. And and the disciples in Jerusalem are like, okay, we got to figure out some stuff. Right. This is right. kind of getting crazy. Things are changing really fast. So they call a meeting like we do. <laughs> no <laughs> right. emails. So they right. email. They call a meeting. No meeting. They all get together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, okay, we got to figure out some 
some things that are going to permanently be different right because some things are changing here um, they come up with a letter <laughs> in mm -hmm. the original email they send out a memo uh, they send out some guys with a letter right okay this is what we're asking everyone to do mm -hmm. and um, then we wish that it was just that easy but the rest of the New Testament is how does this letter work out right there all these churches are wrestling with all these changes they're trying to mm -hmm. figure it out and we're not kind of I don't think we're exactly in that moment but I think a lot of Christian leaders are kind of in that as to like okay things are going to be different mm -hmm. how okay what are some things we can lay down and say okay this is what it's going to be mm -hmm. let's go forward and then over the next two or three years we're all going to kind of be trying to work that out so. right and we kind of talked about that a little bit before we started recording practically what does it look like for a church or a house of worship in the future with gatherings, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're expecting at least in the near term to be able to return to regular gatherings, but are they limited in numbers of people? Do we need to have multiple services? What about folks that have a, a compromised immune systems and shouldn't be in big gatherings? How do we continue to serve those folks? And uh, those are a lot of issues that I think you and a lot of other pastors are probably yeah. um, working through, not unlike the church in Jerusalem was doing in Acts 15, which is, and then the churches throughout the rest of the New Testament, right? Which is, we, ha we know things are changing. We don't know what those changes look like yet. We can't right. control a lot of what those changes look like. Right. But what yeah. we can do is look at the, and put steps in place now based on, look at the technology that's available and, and the ways that ministry can change. The message doesn't have to change though. That's the beauty of it, right? Right. And that's true um, with our own personal messages as you were talking about, our own personal stories as you were talking about in the first point. Our personal story doesn't have to and shouldn't probably change based on attendant circumstances. Mm -hmm. Our personal story should guide us through the circumstances that are happening at the moment and yeah, give us yeah. a reason to focus on things beyond the immediate impacts of whatever's happening. Yeah, and I mean, one thing, I, another story of the Bible I've been reflecting on is, you know, if, you, if you're a little bit initiated into this thing, um, you'll know that the Israelites kind of, they got to the Jordan River. They were about to cross it, and uh, God had them wait. Mm -hmm. So they're sitting by this river mm -hmm. for two two days. I think it's two days. Um, they're sitting there, and I can't imagine a dad once in there going, "Okay, how am I going to get this two year old mm -hmm. across a rushing river? Uh, <laughs> how am I going to get everything I own?" Do I put it on this? We float right. it, you know, like Oregon Trail style. Do we float the river? Do we, how do we do that? I can't right. imagine that there just weren't numerous opportunities for worry and anxiety Absolutely to true. creep up mm -hmm. for that two days as they're sitting there. Okay, when we're going to go across this, mm -hmm. how does this work? Um, but what did they do? They they had rhythms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they had the tent, the tabernacle. They had the things that they just continue to do, continue to give them focus, continue to give them perspective. Um, so yeah, I think a lot of times, even if you're not a Christian, there's, it's a very human book. Mm -hmm. It's real life people dealing with incredibly stressful things. Um, but just, yeah, just that experience of wading by that river. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's on the other side? <laughs> How do we right. get across? I've been reflecting on a lot lately just in terms of anxiety and worry. And, mm -hmm. and the rhythms, that's such a key thing to do. And that kind of goes to the gratitude, um, the expression of gratitude mm -hmm. you talked about too, just build a... A routine. Um, I was joking with a friend the other night. We were scheduling something, and she got excited about putting it on her calendar. It's <laughs> like I don't get to use my calendar right now. Right, but, yeah, yeah. but there's and there's a negative and a positive in that statement, right? The negative is I'm in this really mundane routine, but the positive is I'm in this routine, 
and the rhythm of my life can give me some stability and give me some calming nature. So as you mentioned, the Israelites would hit the tabernacle as part of their daily practice yeah. when they were waiting by the river. So dad might be freaking out about the mechanics of getting across. Mom is freaking out about um, the safety of the children crossing. And then the time comes and they go to tabernacle together and they kind of flow back into that rhythm and it probably soothes them yeah, you know, yeah. and, and calm their anxieties a bit. And, and to the extent that we can build those rhythms into our lives now, we'll find a calming, uh, calming outcome from those. Yeah, now's probably the time more than ever that we'll have to really reflect on our rhythms. You know, mm -hmm. we're not doing extracurriculars. We're not uh, going over to so-and-so's house for dinner. Um, so it's a good opportunity, not the opportunity we would have wanted, right? I mm -hmm. wish there was another way we could have figured this out. Right. But there does present itself now a time to really reflect on who I am, mm -hmm. what's my story, what can I control. Um, so yeah, it's a good time to do that. Um, it's been enlightening in a way it's a lot of my life as mm -hmm. I kind of run out of excuses to not have the yard look a lot nicer than <laughs> I thought it could. As I That's right. Just kind of realize just even in my own like man yeah. I just I don't like getting out there and doing that and it's easy when I well I got to go to a meeting I got to right. go to work or we're going over to so-and-so's house now I'm just kind of coming face to face mm -hmm. with yeah I gotta just, get it done uh, yeah maybe I don't need to be lazy here I need to get up and <laughs> go do it so there's a lot of opportunity for that in our yeah. daily lives right now for sure for sure. Well, thank you so much for taking time to visit with us. This has um, been an insightful opportunity to build some new practices in our own lives as we deal with the anxiety that comes from what we can't control. Yeah. Yeah. I just encourage everybody, start slow, right? Don't mm -hmm. wake up tomorrow and be like, okay, I'm going to do eight things. Right. Um, I'm going to conquer it all. Start with the gratitude. I think that's an easy, easy and enlightening one to start with. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob.